Today's daf discusses what the word ulbino means, what's aluva. We discuss the etymology of the word prusbol, what happens if the person you're lending to doesn't own any land, can the prusbol take effect, what needs to be done to make it take effect, when Shemitah won't cancel a loan, in what scenarios, a and whatnot, and uh, what's the required conversation when paying back a loan after Shemitah. What happens if the person lost his principal? And then in a new discussion, a new Mishnah, we learn about being Paida and Eved Kenani that a Jew once owned. Whether the first owner was Miyayish. The Gemara begins by asking, Rabbi Nachman, you said that the whole concept of principal is Ulbino, so I would be Mevatelet. What is Ulbino? Ulbino mean it doesn't mean chutzpah, it doesn't mean nichutzah. They're just trying to make it easy for the dayonim. So the Gemara says that Ula had told us that when Klaus did the egel azov, it was an aluva like a kala being mezana under the chupa. So you see, it was clearly a chutzpah. Rev Murray Bera Debas Shmuel brings the pasuk of Achim Melchim Mesiba in Yudinon San Rechoi. So while the king is under the chupa. She's emitting a smell, and Rava says that you still see the love of Kaddish Baruch because it doesn't say that she s- smells. It means it, it just says Nosan Reichai. And the Gemara also tells us that uh, those who are Ne'elovim, embarrassed, but don't respond in kind, who hear their disgrace and don't return it, they don't respond to the chutzpah. Those are even Hashem be'ava, and they're b'simcha with Yisurim. The pasuk says ve'oyavav k'zeis Hashem is big v'rosoi. Complimentary. Now the Gemara asks, what does the word prosbol mean? Where, where do we get the word prosbol? So Rav Chista says it's prois buli obuti. Takana between the rich and the poor. Buli means rich people. The pasuk says v'shemayti es ko'in uzchem, and Rav Yosef says that it's referring to bulois shebi Yehuda. The rich people of Yehuda and Buti is referring to Ani, and the pasuk says Ha'abet Tabitenu. Rava asked his uh, linguistics expert, "What does the word prisbul mean?" And he said, "It's a thing that fixes stuff." Next of Yehuda, Mashmal tells us that Yisaimim do not require a prisbul. They don't have to. They, their loans aren't annulled by Shemitah. And in the Brisa, Rabbi Bacham also says they they don't need a prisbul because according to Rabbi Gamliel. Or rather, the property, the loan, is under the jurisdiction of Rebbe Gamliel and his Bezdin. They are the fathers of the assignment. So it's like the money is in Bezdin's property and Shemitah won't be mevatel that. In a Mishnah, we learn, they only let a write a prosbol if the person that you lent the money to owns karka. If he doesn't, then you better be mezake him something in your house, a, a kol shuhu, so that he has some form of karka. How much is a kol shuhu? Rav Chibar Rav says even a, one stalk of cabbage, and Rav Yehuda says even just lend him a place where he could put his oven. That's enough to write a prisbal. The Gemara says, really, is that enough? And the Bryce, the Hillel tells us, you only let it write a prisbal. So if the guy has a flower pot that has a hole in it, if it doesn't have a hole in it, it's mashma, then that's not enough, the Gemara says. But a, a perforated, even even if the pot isn't perforated, just having the space to put it there, that's bigger than a stalk of cabbage. Shouldn't that be enough for him to be considered 
a bal karka? The Gemara says, no, even this flower pot, it wasn't taking up barely any space because it was on pegs, so it wasn't even on your karka. So he's not considered a bal karka, the prisbal won't affect him. Rav Ashi says, you could give him a... When Rav Ashi was writing a ksuba to someone who didn't have land, he would give him the stump of a palm tree. That was enough for a ksuba. They're abundant to be Rav Ashi. Give something to each other. Rav Yoyinusan gave something to Rav Chiyobar Abba and told him, do I need anything else? He said, no, that's good enough. That's enough to write a prisbal between us. The Gemara says that even if the per- the loive, the person you're lending to, doesn't have karka, if the array of the guarantor does, you can still write him a prusbal. There is karka here in the in the loan. If neither the loive or the array have karka, but there is someone who owes the loiva money, and he, he's mechayev, and he owns the the mechayev owns karka, even that's enough to write him a prusbal. Nelson teaches us in Abraisa that you can borrow money from whoever owes your borrower money. The Apostle says, You can skip the middleman, you can skip the loiva and collect from whoever owes the loiva money. Right? If I'm A and B owes me money and C owes B money, I could just collect directly from C. There's also a Mishnah that tells us that Shemitah will erase any loan, whether this loan was given with, whether it's a loan with a star or even of a loan without a star. And there's two ways of interpreting interpreting what this means. Rav and Shmuel say, first shot, that Shemitah gets rid of loans with a star. That means if, whether there's a chrayas on it or even b'shalay b'shtar, if there's no chrayas on it. If there's a milval pev, it was just a verbal contract, then definitely Shemitah would annul that. But Rabbi Yochan and Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish learn differently. They say that a loyvah done with a star means that the star had no achrayas. And bishtar, or rather shaloy bishtar, no star means a verbal agreement. Shemitah will annul both of those. But Shemitah, according to them, would not annul a loan that has achrayas she would calculate on it. We have a brisa that backs up Rabbi Yechonon and Rish Lakish. It says that a star chayiv will be annulled with Shemitah, but if it has a chrayis, if there's karka backing it up, then it won't. It'll plow straight through Shemitah. Another brisa says that if the borrower sets aside a field to the loan, that if he can't pay back, he'll give him the field, then Shemitah won't take away that loan. Even if he just writes that all my property will back up this loan, I'll make sure to pay you back using my property. Also, Shemitah won't cut that off. Rabbi Yossi had a re- Rabbi Asi rather had a relative who had a star and he had written a chrys on it to to back up a lien that he would pay back this loan. And he asked Rabbi Asi, "Wait, is Shemitah gonna get rid of this loan?" Rabbi Asi said, "No." But when he asked her, when the same relative went to Rabbi and he said that it would be Mishamit. So Rav Asi confronted Rabbi Yechonin and said, one second, is it Mishamit or not? He has a chrayas on it. He said, no. Uh, he said, yeah, yeah, Shemitah will knock it off. Rav Asi says, hold on, but your shita is that if there's a chrayas, it's not Mishamit. He said, okay, that's in Lamdus, but that doesn't mean the Maisa, that's how it's going to play out. Really, it is Mishamit. 
I, there's a brisa that says that it is Mishamit, like your Shita in Lamdus. So he says that brisa could be going with Shita's Bishamai, who says that if there's a Chrayas on it, it's as if it's already collected. That's why Shemit is not going to cut it off. Next, the Gemara tells us that there's a Mishnah that says that if someone lends his friend money with a Mashkoin, or if he gives the star over to Bezdin, then Shemitah won't cut off that loan. Shemitah's stuff will not take effect with it, either a Mashkin or if the star is in Bezdin. So the Gemara says, if you give it to Bezdin, that makes sense because Bezdin is holding on to this loan. But just because there's a Mashkin involved, why is that going to make it not, not put off a Shemitah? The Rava answers because it's as if it's already paid back because he's holding on to the Mashkin as payment. Rabbi tells Rava, is that true? Would you say if someone lends money and then he lives in the person's property, in his karka, as if that, that karka will be his if it's not paid back, Shemitah won't take effect? So Rava says, no, no, no. Mashkin's different than karka because according to Yitzchak, Balchoiv is actually koine the mashkin that he's holding on to for the loan. The Pasuk, the Pasuk says, that you should give the borrower back the mashkin as tzedakah. Now, if it's still the borrower's, the loiva's mashkin, then what's the tzedakah that I'm giving you? I can't do tzedakah with your money. It must be that the, lend, the lender is actually koine, and that's why we could use the word tzedakah when he's giving it to the borrower. Next, we have a uh, Mishnah that tells us someone lent someone else money, right? And he wants to pay it back even after Shemitah. So, so if A lent B money, B comes to pay it back. So A has to tell him, you know, the Shemitah got rid of the loan. If B says, I still want to pay it back, then A can take the money because the Pasuk says, Rabbah says that you even persuade B to pay it back. It doesn't mean you actually, it's, if it totally lay, it doesn't mean you hold him up. It can mean just give him, you know, dirty looks until he pays you back. Baye asks, when B is paying it back to A during Shemitah, or after Shemitah, does he have to say, I'm paying you back a loan or I'm paying you back a gift? So Rabbi says, you, you, you give him dirty looks until he gives it back to you as a gift. Now, Abba Bar Marta, who was Abba Bar Menoimi, he borrowed money from Rabba. And he came back by Shemitah, pay it back. Rabba says, well, Meshamedani, it's Shemitah. And so Abba Bar Marta said, oh, okay, great. And he just walked away with the money. He didn't say, Afal Pekin. He didn't want to, didn't insist on returning it. So Abaye found Rabba in a uh, despondent state. He said, what's going on? He said, well, you know, I didn't, <laughs> I'm not getting my loan back. So Abai went to Abba Mamari and he said, what happened with uh, your loan? And he said, well, Rabbi said uh, that it's Shemitah, so I don't owe it to him anymore. So he said, did you tell him off I'll He said, no. He said, well, maybe you should try that. Be a little proactive and insistent. You'll be surprised. I think he might take back his money. So he did. He came back to Rabbi and said, Afa Pekin, I still want to give it back to you. And Rabbi said, thank you very much. And he took it. He said he was surprised that Abba Bamurita was a Torba Merabon and a Tamachacham. He should have thought of this beforehand. He should have thought of it intuitively. Next to Yehudam, Rav Nachman tells us that a person is believed to say that he owned a prosbol. He had a prosbol, but he just lost it. 
You know why? Because the Rabbanon made a Takana or Puzbul so that he can collect his loan. And it would be ridiculous if he didn't take advantage of that. So it makes sense that he had, in fact, written a Puzbul so that he could collect his loans. When Rav heard this, he said, you, you even inject into the debate. You say, oh, wait, did, did you have a Puzbul and lose it? You can offer him that claim. Uh, the Pasuk says, Psach picha le'ilim who you can suggest this claim. The Gemara asks, we have a Mishnah that tells us that if a person does, can't pr- procure his principle, he can't show it in Bez, then he can't collect it after Shemitah. And the Gemara explains that it's a Machlech as Tanoim. We see in another Braisa, if someone has a star that someone owes him money, he has to have his bruzbul in order to collect it. While the Chachamim would disagree and say that he doesn't even need it. Next we have a brand new Mishnah, a new subject. The Mishnah tells us that if an Eved was captured from a Jew, so he was in Jewish employment, and someone was poided from captivity. Now if he was poided to be an, he's poided this Eved to be an Eved, then this Eved is back to being an Eved. But if he was poidim to free him from captivity, to make, make him a Ben Chayrim, then he doesn't need to be a slave anymore. But if Shimon Gamliel says that either way, he's going to be a slave. So the Gemara says, well, hold on, what's the case? Was the first owner Miyayish on ever getting back his Eved? If he wasn't Miyayish yet, then how come this Eved is going free? He's still property of the first owner. But if the first guy was Miyayish, then no matter why you were paid to him, even if it was L'Shem Avdus, why should it go back? Why should he go back to being a slave to the first owner? He was already Miyayish on him. So Abaya gives us our first answer. They really were talking about before the first guy was Miyayish. He wasn't Miyayish yet. So yeah, if you're paid to the Eved for Avdus, he goes back to the first master. If you paid to him to set him free, he's not going to go free. Or rather, he's not. If you if you were paid to him rather to be free, then he's not going to be a slave to the first or the second master, the first one who wasn't me, who wasn't Miyayas, or the second one who was paid to him. He's not going to go to the second one because the second guy wasn't paid to him for slavery. He was paid to him to set him free. We're also not going to give this evidence back to the first one because then. People aren't going to want to be paid as slaves if it's just going to go back to their first owner. Let the first owner be paid as his own slave. Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel says, he's the one in the Mishnah that argues, he says, no, either way, this Eved is going to be enslaved because he holds that just like it's a mitzvah to, to be paid someone who's not a slave, a ben chayrin, it's a mitzvah to be paid a slave. So people are going to be paid him even if it's just going to, even if the, the Eved that he his poide will just revert back to his first owner. And tomorrow, Be'ez HaShem, we'll discuss Rava's interpretation of this Mishnah. Thank you for learning with me. Have a wonderful day.